Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here this morning. Thanks for coming in this morning, spending time together as the family of God, spurring one another on to love and good deeds. If you're listening to live stream, a special welcome to you as well. Uh, We hope that you can get here in the flesh and just enjoy the New Hope family uh, together here. And so thank you for coming as we conclude today our series called Invite. And the main goal of this whole series is to give us a picture of the importance of inviting others into a relationship with Jesus. I mean, ultimately, it's not inviting others, hey, come to New Hope, or hey, just come to church. We're inviting them to a relationship with Jesus. We're not inviting them into, hey, religion. We're inviting them into a relationship with Jesus. And so when you came in, there was an invite card, whether small or big, around you. You maybe sat on it or it's by you. I want you to take that with you, and I want you to, next week for our Easter services, invite someone. And you can give them the card and say, hey, why don't you come and meet up with me? We're going to be at this service. We'll meet up. We'll take up a whole road together. Or if you're techie in that, you can take a picture of it, send it off to your friend list or your family list or whatever. You can put it on Instagram. You can throw it up on Facebook and say, hey, come and spend Easter with us at New Hope and find out more about Jesus. And so I'm inviting you to be an inviter of other people because it's an eternal thing. In my hometown, Milwaukee, there is one of the most interesting restaurants which has been around since 1966. It's called the Safe House, which back in the spy days in the 30s and the 40s, was a secret refuge for spies engaging in covert operations. What is interesting about this restaurant is that there is, there's no, no billboards or no signage. There's no entrance sign to the restaurant. Just a door in a random dark alley in the middle of Milwaukee, which has foreign flags hanging by it, and this business sign, International Exports Limited. That's it. Now, before GPS, the only way to find the entrance to this restaurant was through word of mouth, directions from someone else. And the only way to get into the restaurant even today is through this one alley door. That's the only way you can get in. This one and only door entrance to the Safe House restaurant is a picture to the truth of Jesus Christ being the only way, the only door to enter into eternal life. We see a picture of this as we conclude our story today of Jesus' interaction with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Let me bring you up to speed on the story. The story starts when Jesus is heading to Galilee. He goes through Samaria. Now, as a Jew, no Jew would ever consider going through Samaria because they hated the Samaritans. They saw them as half-breeds, half-Jew, half-Assyrian. They saw them as a polluted defiled people. And no Jew would be in the presence or even want to be touched by a defiled person. 
because it would make them unclean. But yet we see Jesus goes right through Samaria. He then ends up interacting with this woman at the well at noon. No woman in that culture would ever go to the well at noon. It's the hottest part of the day. No woman in that culture would ever go alone. Too dangerous. But Jesus, Jesus bypasses all these social norms and as a Jewish man interacts with this woman. No Jewish man would talk to a woman in public nor even look them in the eye. But Jesus engages this woman, asks her for a drink. She's shocked that a Jewish man would do that. And then Jesus extends to her the option of living water that would quench her full life. And he's inviting her into eternal life, a life of quantity, meaning like forever, and a life also of quality, a transformed life from the life she had right now. The woman says, give me this living water, sir. And he does this odd thing. He goes directly to her sin. He says, well, go invite your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the man you're with right now is not your husband. And we get this picture that if we desire eternal life, how we get eternal life is by disclosing our wrong, our sin, and having Jesus take care of it, forgive it. Because in the story, he discloses her sin. And he doesn't beat up on her, but he extends to her this forgiveness, this living water, this eternal life. And we see towards the end of the story that she's so ecstatic about this interaction and about Jesus stating he is the Messiah, the Savior, that she runs off to her townspeople, leaves her jar, and she runs back to her townspeople, and she invites her townspeople out to Jesus. Let me read the end of the story, the interaction. It says, earlier, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man that told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more believed. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man truly is the savior of the world. Now I want to reread this, but I want you to recognize that in these four brief verses, there are roughly seven pronouns. He, him, this man. And I want to put Jesus' name in there instead because I want you to get this picture that she is inviting them to Jesus, that it's all about Jesus, all right? 
Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. Jesus told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they urged Jesus to stay with them, and Jesus stayed two days. And because of Jesus' words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that Jesus really is the Savior of the world. What we need to notice in this story, which is critical as this story concludes, is that this Samaritan woman doesn't run off and invite her townspeople, fellow Samaritans, to come back with her to see one of the Samaritan's many gods, little g. She doesn't invite them to Tiamut, the god of creation, Anna, god of the sky, Enlil, the god of the air, Enki, god of the water. She doesn't invite them back to see Nana, the god of the moon. She doesn't invite her townspeople to come out and see Mohammed or Buddha, Joseph Smith, the Pope, a vision of the Mother Mary or any other saint. She doesn't say, add Jesus to your stack of other gods, lucky rabbit foot, horoscope, good works, your own philosophy, or theology of life. She doesn't say, stack him up with your tarot cards, your bank account, your church hours that you've clocked, genealogy that states that within your lineage, you had three pastors and two missionaries come out of your family, and so, hey, I'm covered. I don't need Jesus. She is inviting the townspeople only to Jesus, to the Messiah, the Savior, the one and only way to gain entrance back into a relationship with God. Jesus is the only door, the only entrance into eternal life. Yesterday, I was down at the MOA, Mall of America. My wife was away at the women's retreat. My daughter got out of bed, noon, in uh, that 15, right? So in that, and I'm saying, hey, you know, why don't we go to the Mall of America? We'll go shopping, we'll go on rides, and that will just, you know, take the day in that. And she's like, awesome. Hey, can I invite a friend? I'm like, sure, bring a friend. So she called a friend up in that, and we headed down to the Mall of America, and we shopped in that, and then we went to go on rides in that, and I don't do rides. Uh, not because I, I want like rides, but because I get sick, and that it wouldn't be pretty. That's all I'm saying. And that, so I'm like, hey, you go on these rides and that and that. I'm going to be sitting over here because honestly, I can't even like watch them on the rides. That's how wimpy I am. And, and that's so, so I'm like, I'm just going to be sitting over here. Well, I went over and I sat down by this mom and I, I looked at her. And I just said, oh, hey, you're waiting too, right? <laughs> this is the waiting game, right? And, and that, and she's like, yeah, my kids, they've been here and they keep wanting to go on rides and I'm waiting and stuff. And, 
And then we started talking about the incident that took place the day before at the Mall of America with the child and the you know, terrible incident. And we talked about, yeah, we need to pray for, for that family and support and, and, and that. And then from there, we got onto this whole conversation about eternal life. <laughs> you know, and we were talking. But what was so intriguing and interesting is that she was a Muslim woman and she was dressed in the full hijab outfit, and she was explaining to me eternal life. And she said, yes, once we die, there's another book. And I'm like, oh, really? Tell me, tell me what book that is. And she said, there's a book of good and bad. And she said, if your good outweighs your bad, then you enter heaven. But if it doesn't, then you go to hell. And I'm like, well, who, who decides what's good and what's bad? You know, which category it goes into? And that she said, well, our prophet Muhammad has given us the Quran, and it's a word of good and bad, and you must follow the good. And you must have good works that are greater than your bad works. And so she said, at the end of the day, my hope is that my good works outweigh my bad works. And I'm like, wow, that's got to be a hard way to live because you're, every day it's like, hey, am I in? Am I out? You know, am I in? Am I out? Or out? And she said, well, this good work, is it good enough to make it to the good pile? Or whatever. I said, how do you figure that out? And she said, well, you just follow the Quran. And if it's good, it'll go in that pile. And I'm like, wow. She said, every night I ask forgiveness of what might be bad in my life, hoping that God will look at my good. And I'm like, boy, what, I mean, what I believe is, yeah, there's this good and this bad pile, and when my life is done, and I stand before God, and he opens the, that book, I guess, the only difference I have that I believe is that there's this line written and it's written paid in full. Paid in full. And the only reason for that is because of Jesus. She says, well, you believe that. I mean, we just believe Jesus was a prophet. He's not God. Not say, you know, he's just a prophet. He gave you your book of what you need to do as far as good. And, and it means to outweigh your bad and stuff. And then the girls came and we went to another ride. And I was like, oh, man, we were just getting into the, you know, into it. But everybody in this room has to make a decision. What is the door? Jesus says this in John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. In John 3:16 there wasn't whoever believes in these five things of multiple choice and then there's E, which says, well, hey, all of the above, right? It doesn't say that. Thomas, one of Jesus' disciples, a student of Jesus, asked him the question of how do we get eternal life? Jesus responds in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father but through me, through me. And we see in other references in the Bible where Entrance 
into eternal life is, is described as this narrow gate, but wide is the road to destruction, right? And why is it a narrow gate or a narrow door? Because it's just Jesus. <laughs> He's it. He's the only door. Matter of fact, Jesus in John 10 was talking about the shepherd and the sheep and the, the, the shepherd caring for the sheep and how false shepherds coming over the fence. And then he makes this statement. He says, yes, I am the gate, the door. Those who come in through me will be saved. So think about this logically. Apart from Jesus being brutally crucified on the cross, if there was another way for God to make payment for our wrong, forgive our sins, to extend eternal life to us, to bring us back into relationship with him, other than the cross, don't you think he would have done it? Don't you think he would have done it? I mean, if, if we, by our good works, could earn eternal life, why in the world would God send his only son and allow us to brutally crucify him and tack him, nail him to a piece of wood? It doesn't make any sense. We see the struggle of this in Matthew 26, when Jesus himself is in the Garden of Gethsemane, his face is on the ground, and he's praying to his Father in heaven for an option B, because he knows that within 24, 48 hours that he's going to be nailed to a piece of wood for us. And what's his prayer in the garden? He says, Father God, please take this cup from me. Hey, if there's another option, if there's an option B, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm willing. But then that word, but, not your will be done, not my will be done, but your will be done. And we see the only way he ends up being nailed to the cross. It's the only way. Jesus is the only way to eternal life. He is the only door. Earlier in John 4, it says, the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared in response to her, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I am he. Jesus didn't say, well, hey, as long as you're sincere about your variety of gods that use Samaritans worship, you know, as long as your good works outweigh your bad works. He didn't give her all these other options. There was one. I am he. The Samaritan woman then goes away. She runs back to her townspeople and invites the town people out to him and him alone. I want to share with you this New Hope, New Hope or life story about the importance of when we invite, we're not inviting people to religion. We're not inviting people just, hey, go to church. We're not inviting people to just, hey, new hope. We're inviting people to Jesus. Let's watch. My life before Jesus was uh, kind of a struggle. Uh, I came from 
very good Christian family, but I kind of walked away from it. Um, I think it was, there were some gaps or things I didn't understand and, and I thought I could do it by myself. And, and I tried many, many times to do it on my own and worked harder at doing it on my own and, and found I was getting nowhere. And it wasn't until I made that connection with Jesus that my life changed and things started happening and, and my things just got better, my world got better. So when I first uh, found Jesus, it was actually, I uh, wasn't looking for him. I was, uh, business was slow and I was in a business marketing group called BNI and I met Bill there and uh, we kind of hit it off and Bill was uh, never really pushed or asked, but he was just a nice guy and we found common interests and, and he invited me to come to uh, check out New Hope. And it went from kind of being like I, I have this obligation where I should go to church on Sunday that I missed it if I didn't. Bill and I met for dinner at Culver's and uh, in our conversation I made the commitment and we prayed about it and I, I at that point committed my life to Jesus and I've been following him ever since. My transformation by following Jesus has um, really brought some calm and less anger. I, I have much more patience. I think there was a point in life where I think I was okay if if I would say it, I'd die today because it, it was like, I'm hoping that the other side is better. And now since I found Jesus, I'm truly happy here. There's so many different things that can tie into religion that, that necessarily doesn't take you on the right path. And it, if you truly follow Jesus, you will find your path and, and the religion part kind of ties in with it, but it's it's not the religion, it's Jesus that gets us where we want to go. Being in a hope group is, has been kind of a, a blessing. They give different perspective and, and it helps me with my walk following Jesus. And I think as a group, we become stronger. My family here at New Hope has grown and is continuing to grow. And I am so thankful that I was invited to, to come here and want to invite others and, and make this group bigger and better. The whole idea of invitation and the whole idea of the woman at the well and Jesus engaging with her was to invite her into relationship with him. The true and only door to eternal life. Once you enter into the Safe House restaurant in Milwaukee, you're in this small room and you're greeted by a special agent. And the room looks like this. When you walk in, a special agent will ask you a question. And in order to get in the restaurant, you have to know the answer. It's the only way you get in. If you know the answer, the bookcase to the left swings open and you walk down this hallway with no doors and you're walking towards just this brick hall, this brick wall. If you don't get the answer correct, you have to do something stupid <laughs> or a dance or you got to try to sing a certain song. The only way you can get in from there is if you do it. And then you can connect with your friends who got the answer right. 
And as you go towards that brick wall, you, you see, you're like, there's no way out. But as you get closer to it, it opens and you walk into the restaurant where everybody cheers and laughs at you because there's TVs all over the restaurant watching you do what you had to do to get in. <laughs> have the right answer. When we stand before God, we have to have the right answer to get into his heaven. And the only answer that is correct is Jesus. When he says, why should I let you into my heaven? Why should I let you who is imperfect be in my presence because I'm perfect? And the only answer will be because I have accepted Jesus as my Savior and Lord. He's my payment in. He's my way in. He's my door. And that's why Jesus died on the cross for us. So we can be in relationship with our Father in heaven for this life and for eternity. But he is the only way. Acts 4.12 says this, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven by which men, women, children, youth must be saved. And so if you're here this morning and you've never acknowledged Jesus as the only way, the door to eternal life, I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. So would you just bow your heads with me? And if it's your desire, just repeat this prayer after me. The words aren't magic. God knows your heart. Father God, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit that I got nothing to pay for my sin. I can't make things right with you. Jesus, I acknowledge you as the only door, as the Savior of the world. I accept you today as my Savior and Lord. the one who paid for my sin, the one who makes me acceptable before God. You are my door, Jesus. Thank you for eternal life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today for the very first time, we would love to know about it and encourage you in that. And so there are connection cards in front of you in the chairs. Just fill out your name, put a big yes on it, and afterwards you just... Because I want to welcome you. Not into the safe house restaurant, but into eternal life, God's presence, for this life and forever. Welcome.